Hello everybody, welcome to the studio. My name is Evan, also known as Evangelos, which is my full name. I am the head editor of Demon FM and with me this time is the Vice Chancellor of De Montfort University of Leicester, Professor Katie Normington. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's my real pleasure to be here. <laughs> and thank you very much for agreeing to this. Thank you very much. So I'll just jump straight to it. So the first question I have is, uh, could you please tell us more about uh, the new Education 2030 initiative? What is the new structure of the curriculum as well as the goals of the whole chain? Yes, thanks very much. So uh, our Education 2030, as we call it, really imagines what education needs to be like by 2030, but it actually starts to make it happen for our students. And actually we're rolling it in, so for students who are full-time students here, they won't see any change, but for our students who are coming in from this September or for some of our part-time students near the beginning of their programmes, uh, they will see some changes. And what we're doing is really bringing about something that's a bit more flexible uh, and that's really uh, playing into uh, some of the government agendas. They're changing the way in which people can access loans from 2025 so that you can kind of have them throughout your life. So it's more that you could hop on, hop off if you want and do some work, go back to another module, something like that. Uh, but also one of the key things is a shift to block teaching. So at the moment, most students will probably be doing sometimes up to four modules at the same time in any one term. And this moves it instead so that over a seven week period, you do one module uh, and then you complete that you're examined or assessed for it in that module and then you have a week uh, enhancement week and then you start the next module and the reason we've done it really is that we think that for students it's maybe easier to focus on one thing at a time we know that people have got really busy lives a lot of people are working they've got other responsibilities and it's difficult then to feel that you're being drawn into lots of different places it also means that you've got a really key contact with your lecturer for that module and they can work out really quickly whether you're not keeping up with the work or you're missing classes and we can get some support in there really quickly uh, and I think the other things that are important it means that you'll be working really closely with that group of students for the seven weeks you'd get to know a group really really well uh, so I think we think for those reasons it it will give students a experience which we think will um, enhance what we can offer here at DMU. I know we're all exhausted talking about the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> however I would like to ask you what the difficulties universities and the educational system as a whole face and how did DMU overcome some unprecedented circumstances? Yeah thank you very much. Um, so I think the thing to think about is that universities are actually a business about people and that that people business happened before COVID pretty much entirely face to face. And within two days, all universities in the UK had to shift um, from being a face to face business to being an online business. Uh, and that sort of I mean, that set, says something of the scale of it, doesn't it, to make that huge transformation. Um, now, obviously, um, you know, that has taken quite a bit of time. It took investment in new technologies to enable us to do that. It took a lot of learning on the part of both the lecturers and the students to think about what works, what doesn't work. And um, I think the thing that some of the things that I heard about that went really well was where during lockdown, we were able to do things in a really innovative way. So particularly for students who were doing some practice. So I know in engineering, something like a thousand engineering kits were mailed out to people at home so that they could still take part in the engineering 
engineering activities. Uh, for some of our arts design humanities students, um, it was incredible because some of the teaching that was going on was the studio workshop teaching, like pattern cutting, which no one would have thought you could effectively do online and which they've now enabled that to happen. For our health students, they came back um, anyway on campus, so they were here um, all the way along. But I think going forward, it has been a really testing time. I think what's great to see is students back on campus. It's beginning to get a buzz again. Uh, I know still people are kind of gradually getting back here and taking part but that's been great but also as we go forward people have been very clear in saying about the value face-to-face -face has in terms of studying and learning but also I think we want to not forget the things that were effective in lockdown and how can we draw on the best of both worlds really as we go forward. Moving on Underfunding and lack of resources is usually one of the most common issues in the educational system. In your 10 plus year tenure as an academic have you experienced such issues and if yes could you elaborate more on your experience? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you know, I guess um, being a vice chancellor and uh, running a university is a bit just like on a large scale of all of us running our own personal budgets all the time. And so the thing you're, you're faced with is quite often, you know, you have to make decisions about which things you are going to spend your money on and where you're not going to spend it. Um, and that's really difficult. And I, you know, I accept that people face that every day in their lives. They decide to do some things or they decide to bring a packed lunch because they don't want to spend it on sandwiches and they want to spend it on something else or they you know they don't have it to spend so it's much the same just on a really large scale so you know I suppose almost always it would be great to have more resources um, and yet they are always finite you know you never do have that so I suppose some of the things that I do ask is you know do you do we get good value for money when we're spending it and do the students see that value for money as well and those have got to be some of the sort of driving principles I think behind some of the things that we do so sometimes that does mean and we've been able to you know each year we do do uh, equipment updates for some part of the university not all parts and I'm sure other parts would want it faster than it sometimes happens but there's a you know there was a sort of sense of how we make those priorities but also I think sometimes it's really good to discover what you can do with very little and sometimes the most inventive things a bit like I was describing about what happened in Covid can come about by not having best resources but having having reasonable resources where you have to be uh, inventive. And I think that's also a good thing for all of us because whenever people go into future world of work, you won't always be going into a company that's got everything. So um, yes, it, I would always like to have more and be able to update things more quickly, but we're always having to make a similar set of decisions that everyone's got to make personally on a daily basis, really. I can say this, that as a media person and a creative person, because we do that all the time, as students, we don't have a budget, you get more creative. You find yeah. new ways and new solutions to everything. So. I know. I mean, it's. I was a drama student when I was at university. And, you know, I, th I think at one point I was given something like a £30 budget to direct an excerpt of a show. And it was probably one of the best bits of directing I ever did. Exactly. Uh, better than probably when I was working, uh, running small companies then and perhaps had, you know, 10 times that amount of money to spend. It didn't necessarily mean I produced something better at the end of it. Mental health has come into the forefront the last few years and it has become more and more integrated into education. How important is the integration of mental health services such as support, awareness as part of the education? Yeah, thank you. It's a really good question because it's particularly something that we've been experiencing during and, and post-COVID. So uh, the calls on our services and all university services have really gone up and I think there's an awful lot of anxiety uh, and other issues that have been brought around about by the pandemic. And um, it's really important that we do respond to them. And I think we need to do that in a number of ways. So partly when I was talking about Education 2030, I think that kind of block 
teaching means that hopefully we can notice when something's not going right for somebody, whereas before perhaps one lecturer thought, oh, they're probably in someone else's class doing this. And actually they weren't in anyone's doing anything. But I think, um, you know, hopefully it means we can kind of step in earlier for that. Um, you know, we do uh, make sure we've got good resources and a good service here. But I think even with all of that, um, often uh, the time to actually get that that appointment, first appointment is taking longer than we would hope it would. We, we keep reviewing those. And I think also we've got to think carefully as a university how we work with the National Health Service as well, because obviously they have a part to play uh, in mental health support working alongside us and with us. It isn't entirely for a university to have to um, take on the, the, the mental health support for students. But, you know, I think there's ways in which we can make sure that and we do do a lot of events and focus around it. And one of the important things is to be able to speak out. And that's something that we've really got to encourage. Brexit may seem to have taken place ages ago due to the pandemic. However, I would like to ask you, in your experience, is the impact of Brexit still as strong as it was two or three years ago? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question because I suspect if we hadn't had um, COVID, we'd be really feeling the impact of Brexit and slightly it's been shadowed by that. And we shouldn't forget that. There's a number of ways as a university in which it's really changed things. So, for example, um, European students were able to borrow student loans, not the maintenance part of it, but the student loans, and that's now stopped. Uh, for us last year, that meant that we saw a drop of about 700 students. So it's really quite significant the way in which that's changed. And of course, you know, it's a pity because obviously a lot of those students added cultural diversity to us as a university and were really important. Um, and those things continue so at the moment in terms of research uh, there's still a kind of struggle going on to see whether we can access European Union monies and those are really important they help collaborations uh, happen between different universities in different countries and if you're going to advance scientific research that's what you need to be doing not working by yourselves I think um, you know in some senses we were all perhaps expecting that supplies would be very difficult and as a university found less of that um, although actually you know if you remember still walking around supermarkets even when the pandemic one wasn't at its highest, there's still lots of empty shelves. And, you know, again, there were issues to do with Brexit that were leading to those sort of delays and, and, and issues. So I think it's a really good question. I think COVID has actually masked uh, a number of sort of difficulties and we've had to sort of adopt to most of them. But I guess, you know, the worst of those is really losing uh, a whole set of students who had different outlooks, which I think add to the richness of campus. Okay, I would like to take the time to highlight the importance of inclusiveness in education. In your opinion, what is the significance of inclusiveness in education? Also, how does DMU as a university strive to be more inclusive? Thank you. And that kind of follows on from the question we were just talking about, mm -hmm. doesn't it? About, in a sense, the way that European study students were adding a great deal to the way in which um, cultural diversity happens. And I think, you know, that's the important thing about inclusivity. And I think DMU shows it better than lots of other universities. So, you know, we do have 50% of our students who are ethnic minorities. Um, the city itself is obviously incredibly diverse. And I think a good place to feel the richness of all the different restaurants and cultures and things that you get. And I guess that's what we benefit from is, you know, from being inclusive, it means that we do get different viewpoints, different takes on things. Um, but also inclusivity isn't just about some of the cultural things that I've been talking about there, but it also, I think it relates back to some of the mental health issues we were talking about earlier. So we know at DMU, we've got 20% of our students are registered as having a disability. And that can be anything from uh, dyslexia to uh, mobility issues. Um, but again, that's higher than the national benchmark. And it's something I'm proud of. I'm proud that people want to come here uh, and feel that we can support them to enable 
their best opportunities for them. And again, we do know that coming out of those results as well is that, that um, you know, we see across the board quite a lot of ways in which um, students are doing really well. There's still more work to do that. So there are still some awarding gaps that exist between some types of our students and others, and we must never, ever be complacent about that. And we've got projects which drive that. So things like uh, decolonising the curriculum again, not all universities put that sort of emphasis on it. Uh, so I think it's something that really drew me to want to come to DMU was the fact that it was a university like this. Another issue with the education concerns the teachers and our educators in general. So underfunding, wage gaps, part-time contracts and even job insecurity are just some of the issues. What is your opinion on these issues for educators and have you ever felt the impact of some of those issues yourself? Thank you. Uh, again, this is a really sort of critical issue. So um, I have to admit I'm quite old and <laughs> when I first went into um, teaching, first of all, I was teaching in schools and further education and then into universities when I uh, was doing my PhD. And um, I was really lucky. I was at a time when um, there weren't that many people who were qualified to do teaching at, at further education or higher education. I did, you know, go from one permanent job to another permanent job. I started this in a time that's really different from the time that we're in now, unfortunately. And so it was a time when education was very regulated, when there were, um, you know, a certain, a much lower percentage of students went to university. And then through the times, we've also seen ways in which numbers have been controlled of students who could go to university. We now um, are in a sort of free market, which means that all the time we're having to juggle often huge changes to our student populations and those sort of issues make it really difficult so I think the way that that education is set up at the moment makes it, it difficult to be able to do some of those things with a sort of consistency that I experienced um, you know when I was a junior lecturer and starting out and I think it is really difficult for example this year our overall intake of students changed by as I talked about in terms of the European students it suddenly changed and dropped by hundreds and so unfortunately uh, that obviously meant as well others other universities it grew by hundreds if not thousands and so there is then this sort of marketplace where people are taking on lecturers who are on temporary contracts because of the way in which there's a fluctuation going on with sort of student numbers and it's really difficult to uh, you know to kind of run a business like that and not very good obviously for the people who are on those types of contracts. So I would like to see more stability in the sort of system going forward. Education has benefits. It also has issues. Uh, nothing is perfect. So to conclude, what are some of the programs and initiative outside of Education 2030? We already talked about that one. The DMU is undertaking in order to combat issues in an ever-evolving sector such as education. Yeah, thank you. I think we're an amazing place because we do so many things. So part of that is the work that we do around SDGs. Uh, and we are the only university in the UK who is an appointed United Nations academic impact hub, which means that we have responsibility for SDG 16, which is peace, justice and strong institutions. And that feeds through into a lot of the work we're doing. So Education 2030 is asking the curriculum designers to think about how they put sustainability into the very heart of, of courses as well. So that's one aspect we're doing things on. We've also done a lot of work over the last year to think about how we start to create more of an international education as well. Uh, so opening a kind of campus light, as we call it, with a with a partner in Dubai and in Kazakhstan. So, you know, those are quite um, bold things to do, but they start to offer education to and DMU education to a sort of wider part of the globe, but also make us internationally visible. 
And one part of that has been the work we've done with um, Expo 2020 in Dubai this year as one of the education founding partners. And it's attracted some great uh, attention out there, but also enabled our design and architecture students and others to have their work shown in an international stage. So I think some really exciting things. And what I like about all of those things is that it just shows what a can-do university we are. And that's what I'm always struck by meeting students is, you know, people have often had interesting journeys to get here and they are so dedicated to furthering their education and to making the most out of their time here. And they're really entrepreneurial and that we're seeing that again with a lot of awards so this year we won the times higher education which is like the equivalent of the um, oscars really for universities we won that for the best student support and that was for a great project looking at uh, how we took um, entrepreneurial real students and particularly those from an ethnic background and worked with local businesses to give them placements and opportunities and open up their eyes to that so again I think some of the entrepreneurial work of our students and the way that they're forging their own and many of them go on to set up their own companies when they leave here, that also gives us a great thread of being a can-do university. So would you mind me asking you, what's your favourite book? Um, Yeah, it's always such a good question, isn't it? So I like to say Jean Reese's The Wide Sargasso Sea, which is written uh, as if it's a kind of prelude to Jane Eyre and it takes the kind of notion of the mad woman in the attic and I like it for lots of different reasons partly because it's uh, set in the West Indies and actually what you get there is a different flavour again of kind of the, the cultures and the mix of cultures as they come together uh, and as I've been talking about that inclusivity is really important to me but also I like the conceit of it the idea that you write the book before a famous book <laughs> I think is just sort of really inventive and the other thing is from a woman's perspective it tells the whole story about why you know the sort of mad woman in the attic isn't just a mad woman in the attic and a whole story about how she gets there and actually one of one of sort of suppression so um i think it's a great read uh, it isn't hugely long so i would really recommend it to people i would definitely check it out thank, thank you. you very much for doing this thank you for this interview and this opportunity thank you also for your time as always and that is it 